Environmentalism and its sister message of conservation have echoed throughout the ages. The love, fascination, and sublime fear of nature have been as much a part of humankind as any book or historical document can recall. But it doesn't mean we've always understood our duty to it, or even been able to comprehend our capacity to permanently change it. In fact, despite our affinity to the outdoors, our respect of Mother Earth has often come second to our ability to dominate it. From animal heads that we can hang on our walls, to great beasts domesticated to do our work, to the conquering of savage animals prowling in the night, coming to snatch our sleeping children from their beds, or perhaps less tangibles, right? Like gold mined deep in the earth to finance our futures, or diamonds sold in one part of the world at the cost of warfare in another. It's pretty clear that our relationship to the only home we have isn't one where home is where the heart is, but one that actually has much more to do with what can I get from you today? This isn't a relationship. This isn't symbiosis or cooperation. It's parasitic. It's unstable, abusive, domestic assault. This psychological, masochist condition is made all the worse by our impending need to ever expand. More clothes, bigger homes, exotic vacations, faster cars, fancier toys, stronger weapons. Compelled by an economy that drives us to innovate and produce at a pace faster, and faster and faster and more cost-efficient than our neighbor drives a system that rewards planetary destruction. And the cost is measured in dollars and cents, not in the intrinsic value of nature's precious resources or limited space. It's not measured by the value of animals, insects, bacteria, or even humans. In fact, the concept of cost rarely even considers a timeline within our own life expectancy, the latter of which just baffles the philosophical mind. The irony is that our environmental movement was born out of a need to save us from ourselves. Most environmental regulations were spurred when toxins brought on from the industrial development were known to be directly poisoning us. Often, it is in these times that the rationale of humanity seemed to compel us to take lasting action to protect ourselves and only indirectly on behalf of the environment. Sadly, the cause of climate change or global warming is no different. The case for keeping our atmosphere from the edge of a runaway greenhouse effect isn't just for endangered animals, for dying coral, ocean acidification, or plant die-off, or you name it. It's for us, too. 
and we ought not to forget that. On this episode of the Eyes on Conservation podcast, we take a brief look at climate change and we talk about what's at risk and we discuss our addiction to anthropocentric progress, including a quick walk through the history of environmentalism by taking a closer look at the late Rachel Carson and her groundbreaking work, Silent Spring. And we end with the culmination of humankind's response to our environment's distress and the global effort, our global effort to save our asses in the United Nations works through the International Panel on Climate Change, also known as the IPCC. This episode of the Eyes on Conservation podcast is intended to do one thing. We implore you to take action this year when it comes to the future of planet Earth. And if you think that this doesn't apply to you, I've already done this. I've already done that. I've already written this check. I've already been to that place. Then your call is to take the next step. And I'm not a pot to call the kettle black. That goes for every one of us. Thank you for listening. When's the last time you went digging through the trash? What about your neighbor's trash? Believe it or not, some people go through years of education just to get paid to do it. They're archaeologists. You didn't think that's where this was going, did you? And perhaps one of the most famous examples is ancient Roman trash, sometimes called midden, M-I-D-D-E-N. In other words, an ancient chamber pot, right? Somebody's toilet from thousands of years ago. It has historical value. Trash tossed onto the side of the road 2,000 years ago. That's, that's an artifact. Have you ever looked at the trash today and thought of it as impending research for a future college grad? Probably not. For one, because we are captive by our perspectives in time, and for another, because our understanding of waste has changed, both of which are symptoms to our place in a changing world. The concept of the effect of our impacts have shifted greatly. There's a great sense of pride in being able to meet or exceed goals and produce yields that are far beyond what we thought we could. And who among us hasn't boasted of being able to produce results like that? Unfortunately, all too often those short-term results are connected to long-term consequences. Rachel Carson was one of the first to not only recognize the danger of this type of thinking, but also took on the battle to create the winds of change when she wrote her book, Silent Spring. A writer first, she only later became a marine biologist and zoologist. Here, writer and actress Kailani Lee portrays Carson in the biographical play, A Sense of Wonder. The play has been touring the world for nearly a quarter of a century. I believe 
that natural beauty has a necessary place in the development of any individual or any society. I believe that whenever we destroy beauty, whenever we substitute something man-made and artificial for a natural feature of this earth, we have retarded some part of man's spiritual growth. In contemplating the exceeding beauty of this earth, I have found calmness and courage. For there is symbolic as well as actual beauty in the migration of the birds, in the ebb and flow of tides, in the folded bud ready for the spring, there is something infinitely healing in the repeated refrains of nature, the assurance that dawn comes after night and spring after winter. Mankind has gone very far into an artificial world of his own creation. He has sought to insulate himself in his cities of steel and concrete away from the realities of earth, water, the growing seed. And intoxicated with the sense of his own power, he seems to be going farther and farther into experiments toward the destruction of himself and his world. There is certainly no single remedy for this condition, and I can offer no panacea. But it seems reasonable to believe, and I do believe, that the more clearly we can focus our attention on the wonders and the realities of this universe about us, the less taste we shall have for its destruction. That's what I want to say. Carson's Silent Spring had a huge impact on creating awareness around the dangers of using the pesticide. You ready for this? Dichlorodiphenyl trichlorothane. And as if having me pronounce it wasn't bad enough, here's the proper pronunciation, courtesy of dictionary.com. Dichlorodiphenyl trichloroethane. Yeah, that doesn't help at all, right? Anyway, the shorthand of all that is DDT. Until Carson painted the issue with her tragic but captivating imagery of a silent nature, the call to see the connections between the chemical and its effect on the ecosystem and ultimately that of humans was all but unknown by the public or ignored by the companies producing them. Perhaps a combination of the two. This clip is taken from the American Experience on PBS. There was once a town in the heart of America where all life seemed to live in harmony with its surroundings. The town lay in the midst of a checkerboard of prosperous farms with fields of grain and hillsides of orchards where in spring, white clouds of bloom drifted above the green fields. 
the birds sing and the woods are filled with living things and it's an abundant, happy place. And then suddenly the residents discover the birds are gone and the animals have died and many of the plants have withered. People start to get sick for reasons that can't be explained. Uh, livestock have stunted offspring. Everything goes bad. In the gutters under the eaves and between the shingles of the roofs, a few patches of white granular powder could be seen. Some weeks earlier, this powder had been dropped like snow upon the roofs and the lawns, the fields and the streams. No witchcraft, no enemy action had snuffed out life in this stricken world. The people had done it themselves. She creates an image of silence. What would it be like if you woke up in the morning and you went outside and instead of hearing birds chirp or sing, you heard nothing? Carson was born in 1907 and wrote Silent Spring in 1962, just a short while before she passed away from breast cancer in 64. A marine biologist by profession, I wonder. Was Carson's work inevitable? Meaning, was civilization bound to produce this way of thinking? Or were we just lucky? Perhaps Carson and those like her that have played less televised roles were before their time. It's arguable. What isn't arguable is that they certainly didn't come too late. Scientists say that 90% of all species that have ever existed on this planet exist no more. Many intellectuals say that we are in the midst of what is called the sixth great mass extinction. Meaning right up there with the disappearance of most of our Jurassic friends is a massive disappearing of animals and plant species that we've ever known. Known and Till today. The idea of so many species dying off on our watch should be enough to make your skin crawl. This is a video produced by Rob Jordan featuring Stanford biology professor Paul Ehrlich. Five times in the past, something has happened on the planet that's killed off a very large portion of the life forms and has taken a million years to reestablish. Fortunately, the last one was 65 million years ago when the dinosaurs bit the dust with a lot of other things. We are now moving into another one of these events that could easily, easily ruin the lives of everybody on the planet because we're utterly dependent on the other organisms for our food, for our climate, for all sorts of things that we must have. The so-called natural services that other organisms provide. There's all kinds of evidence of this not just in the loss of species, but uh, in the loss of populations that give us those services. We are not likely to lose the honeybee as a species, but we're already losing it in lots of places where it's very important, say, for pollinating your almond orchards. There is a denier set of people who say, no, the biologists are uh, crazy, they're exaggerating, we're not, you know, species aren't disappearing all over the place, we're not entering a sixth mass extinction. The people at Berkeley studied the best fossil record for doing this, that is the mammal fossil record, 
and took a look at, on average, how fast were mammals going extinct when there wasn't a mass extinction episode. Extinction goes on all the time, but what makes one a mass extinction episode? Uh, and it turns out that they found that the going on all the time rate was about two times as fast uh, as had previously been thought. But when you look at a conservative estimate of how fast mammals are going extinct today, it runs somewhere between, say, 15 and 100 times as fast as the new fast rate from the past. What our paper is, is basically the icing on the cake. It shows without any significant doubt that we are now entering the sixth great mass extinction event. If there is any truth, any inkling of reality behind humans being the resounding cause of ecological damage or irreversible climate change, then we ought to be damn sure that we do something about it, right? The next time you speak with someone who claims that none of it is true, or that humans have no duty or responsibility to do anything about it, your response can simply be, is that a gamble you are willing to take? Is your pride or economic comfort worth the cost of your children and your children's children ad infinitum, assuming we make it that far? Is it worth it? Before going much further, it might be helpful to recap a little bit about what the big fuss about climate change is. While an audience like that of Eyes on Conservation is likely very familiar with these definitions and understandings, certainly not everyone is. And that's totally cool. Learning the truth about the science is half the battle. Believe me, I'm first in line when it comes to that. And sometimes, a refresher doesn't hurt. From National Geographic, October 2018. Human activities, from pollution to overpopulation, are driving up the Earth's temperature and fundamentally changing the world around us. The main cause is a phenomenon known as the greenhouse effect. Gases in the atmosphere, such as water vapor, carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, and chlorofluorocarbons, let the sun's light in, but keep some of the heat from escaping, like the glass walls of a greenhouse. The more greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, the more heat gets trapped, strengthening the greenhouse effect and increasing the Earth's temperature. Human activities, like the burning of fossil fuels, have increased the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere by more than a third since the Industrial Revolution. The rapid increase in greenhouse gases in the atmosphere has warmed the planet at an alarming rate. While Earth's climate has fluctuated in the past, atmospheric carbon dioxide hasn't reached today's levels in hundreds of thousands of years. Climate change has consequences for our oceans, our weather, our food sources, and our health. Ice sheets, such as Greenland and Antarctica, are melting. The extra water that was once held in glaciers causes sea levels to rise and spills out of the oceans, flooding coastal regions. Warmer temperatures also make weather more extreme. This means not only more intense major storms, floods, and heavy snowfall, but also longer and more frequent droughts. These changes in weather pose challenges. 
In December of 2015, the United Nations Conference of the Parties, or COP, took place in Paris, France. This one was COP21. Ultimately, I created a piece about it for my podcast, Majority Villain. My wife, Andy, and I were in Paris at that time to protest in the Red Line March. That is, the line we are not to cross if we wish to avoid catastrophic climate change. There were people from all over the world, all over the world, despite fear of arrest because this protest was not sanctioned until the day before to even take place. And so many people had already made the journey and they were there to make their voices heard. This audio was recorded from the streets of Champs-Élysées from Majority Villain. My particular reason for coming out is uh, against global warming, mainly to do with the agriculture industry. Yeah, do you? I, I feel like maybe that's um, not as largely addressed. Do you? Why do you feel that might be? I think there's a lot of money to be made out of it, and uh, they don't want people to stop eating meat because it's a lucrative business. Well, they also don't want people to stop driving cars, and yet a lot of people are still talking about that. Do you feel? What do you feel like the reason is that fossil fuels are getting the attention while agriculture is not really being mentioned all that much? That's a very good question. Um, I'm not entirely sure why uh, agriculture industry is not being addressed, because it should be, because it's the biggest contributor to, um, uh, to global warming. And it will, we're going to eat ourselves into extinction, essentially. And uh, what was your name? Anne-Marie. Thanks so much for talking with me. Firstly, to accept that it is happening, it's not a very nice thing to accept as an adult or a child, but we've really messed up the place and we need to accept it and work out a way of solving the problem. And, you know, here's a load of people going, yeah. It, the green world is a better world for everyone. What would that look like? Uh, what's a way to do that? Well, you can build out public transport. I just visited New York two weeks ago, and it's there that you have the queue, but otherwise in the country it's fucking impossible. And it's not people's fault that they cannot travel environmentally. It's the government's problem to solve. How, how do you think the government is supposed to address that? The, the big criticism that always comes up in this argument is where's that money going to come from? Do you have an idea about that? Well, it's pretty obvious that the U.S. are some of the richest individuals in the world. And the, the least we can demand is that they give at least like 10% of their wealth, which can fund a whole green revolution in the U.S. It will make everyone better off, and it will also even make the richer better off because they will have a globe for their children yeah, in the future. We have people who are generally ha who has doubt about whether you know about the scientific consensus about these different things. You know, the person who denies for the principle of denying, usually the one who actually is, you know, who has some, who to some measure actually believes what we're saying is true, but who decide who's stubborn why he decides to deny it. Valley somehow. All together, all together, all together. One, two, three. How hard can it be if we can all just agree? Now's the time to turn it round. Global solution. 
You might have heard that in October of 2018, those same nations that created history's most significant pledge to curb global warming came together to find a path to enforce that pledge. The goals decided upon at the COP21 in Paris in December of 2015 were criticized by many in the environmentalism movement as being insufficient. Critics argued that the targets set by nations during that time still lead us into crippling, catastrophic changes. Changes that no person can possibly fully comprehend. Changes that even the United States Pentagon deemed to be one of the major threats to humankind. Additional criticism highlighted the fact that these goals, these goals, while seen as soft, also had no enforceable teeth for nations who later reneged on their promises. That is... That is, until those nations of the Paris Climate Agreement came back together three years after that cold day in France to find a path to accountability. That brings us to Poland, December 2018, just a couple months ago. When those nations came together to try to find out, are we even near for where we said we would be? Do we have some level of accountability for those who don't actually follow through with what they say they're going to do? And many nations aren't. The results of the IPCC report clearly say that we've already risen the temperature on planet Earth one degree Celsius. And that we will be at 1.5 degrees Celsius, the red line. Sometime between 2030 and 2050. Other scientists say that we have less than 10 years to get this under control before we pass the point of no return. Of all the things that were said in Poland, probably some of the realest words came from a 15-year-old girl named Greta. This clip comes from Democracy Now! We are going to end today um, with the words of 15-year-old Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg, who addressed the UN plenary session last night. My name is Greta Thunberg. I am 15 years old and I'm from Sweden. I speak on behalf of climate justice now. Many people say that Sweden is just a small country and it doesn't matter what we do. But I've learned that you are never too small to make a difference. And if a few children can get headlines all over the world just by not going to school, then imagine what we could all do together if we really wanted to. But to do that, we have to speak clearly, no matter how uncomfortable that may be. You only speak of green, eternal economic growth because you are too scared of being unpopular. You only talk about moving forward with the same bad ideas that got us into this mess, even when the only sensible thing to do is pull the emergency brake. You are not mature enough to tell it like it is. Even that burden you leave to us children. But I don't care about being popular. I care about climate justice and a living planet. Our civilization is being sacrificed for the opportunity of a very small number of people to continue making enormous amounts of money. 
our biosphere is being sacrificed so that rich people in countries like mine can live in luxury. It is the sufferings of the many which pay for the luxuries of the few. The year 2078, I will celebrate my 75th birthday. If I have children, maybe they will spend that day with me. Maybe they will ask me about you. Maybe they will ask why you didn't do anything while there still was time to act. You say you love your children above all else, and yet you are stealing their future in front of their very eyes. Until you start focusing on what needs to be done, rather than what is politically possible, there is no hope. We cannot solve a crisis without treating it as a crisis. We need to keep the fossil fuels in the ground, and we need to focus on equity. And if solutions within this system are so impossible to find, then maybe we should change the system itself. We have not come here to beg world leaders to care. You have ignored us in the past and you will ignore us again. We have run out of excuses and we are running out of time. We have come here to let you know that change is coming, whether you like it or not. The real power belongs to the people. Thank you. What makes this all the more challenging in America is that there seems to be a myth for many Americans that climate change is even happening, or that if it is, it has nothing to do with humans. And it's a prevalent force of misinformation. The science is in, 97% of scientists agree it's happening. And it's not just a partisan issue either. From so-called liberal news to so-called conservative news, the words climate change or global warming are rarely mentioned on broadcast television. Try to recall the presidential debates between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Do you remember a substantial debate where climate change or global warming was even discussed? I've looked. You might hear the words once or twice, but there's no conversation about it. Sometimes it feels as if the United States is uniquely immune to the realities of science the rest of the world hold as dangerous truths. The United States' unique role of denial shouldn't make us scared to speak up. It should empower us to do what is right in a land of great doubt. If you believe deep in your heart that history will reward those who stood up at this moment, it should be thrilling motivation. And wanting to play the hero should bring us no shame. It's up to us to do something about it. The end is not yet written, though the consequences of inaction are staring us in the face. To steal the words of one of the great youth movements in climate change response, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Make 2019 the year that you protest in another march, or make it your first march. 
Let 2019 be the year you cut a check to a climate protector organization or cut a check to Wildlands. Let this year be the year you make climate change a regular staple of your daily communications with others. And stop allowing climate deniers all the air in the room. Because even if they're right, is it worth the gamble? You know, it's a funny thing. That cold day on the streets of Paris, the mood, while contemplative and retrospective, a little bit aloof, it was actually, actually pretty jubilant, pretty celebratory. As much as the dread of some great line dragging through the street symbolized, more thrilled with this anthem of people. Regular, everyday people from all over, eager to change the tide. I may be one small person, but we, we are very powerful. This has been a production of the Eyes on Conservation podcast brought to you by Wildman. To visit the show notes for this episode and to see a whole host of amazing stories and incredible adventures and really, really talented people, start now at wildlensinc.org and get specific notes on this show. Go to backslash EOC172. Show intro and outro music was by The Humidors. And additional music was provided by the Free Music Archive under Creative Commons licensing. For a full list of clips and show notes, head over to the website. Check it out. I'm Gregory Haddock. Thanks for listening.